Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to move into practice. Before we do that, I have a conversation with you. Let's see where that goes. Conversation this morning is on self-defeating stance, a self-defeating stance versus being self-conscious and how these are intertwined with each other. Meaning just because you become self-conscious does not mean that you'll be self-defeating. You'll soon notice from becoming self-conscious how self-defeating you actually are. And that's the attempt in this conversation is to paint that out. And the challenges of being self-conscious. You could say that yoga, the yoga, yoga as a whole is about becoming self-conscious, which is extraordinarily difficult and deeply unpleasant. And if you've ever tried it, you know what I'm speaking about. Very challenging. You have to confront yourself in so many different ways that is so bloody disturbing. And so I really like this conversation. It's in some ways the crux of my teaching. So I've been working on this for a while. So I'm excited to share it with you and see how it goes. And in these conversations, the idea is you find yourself in this conversation, whether you want to or not. That's the attempt. Will you do that? Perhaps. We'll see. Because you're in it. You're in this conversation, whether you want to be or not. And can you locate this for yourself? And that's an element of being self-conscious. And so up on the board, some distinctions around self-defeating. If you're self-conscious, you can conceptualize yourself as an individual, which is important, very useful. And what we're striving for, use the individual, who are you? A great question. Who am I? So to become self-conscious, you start to understand who you are as an individual, which is different than everybody else, which is good to know. You know how you are and what you like. That's good too. You know who you are and what you like. You also know what you don't like. That's good too. You also know what harms you and what doesn't. That's also good. How you harm yourself, how you don't, how others harm you, how they don't, that's important to know. And you know that intimately. As soon as you know what harms you, you then know what harms others. That's where things start to get interesting. This is knowledge that informs good and evil that accompanies becoming self-conscious. And what do you do with this knowledge? That's what's interesting. And a very useful question to ask yourself, what do you do with the lessons, the learnings, the revelations that come to you, that allow you to become that much more self-conscious? How do you use it actually in your life? Left unconstrained, you'll aim your malevolence with precision, focus, punish, and maximize someone's suffering. And you do that. You've been doing that your entire life. It's been taught to you and you've adopted that practice. It's the troublemaker side of you. 
They can't resist stirring some stuff up every once in a while. You ever, have you ever been in a relationship? Have you ever had an argument in a relationship? That's what I'm speaking about. Your pointed malevolence and how you're attempting to maximize somebody's suffering. That happens in arguments. My attempt is to make you wrong and minimize you, and so you suffer, and then shut up. That's often the attempt in arguments. I'm more powerful than you, and let me prove it. I'll spend the next 28 minutes crushing you and see how that goes. That's an example outside of you. Then if you pause for a few moments, like in a practice of meditation, as an example, you'll start to realize how punishing you are towards yourself. And how tyrannical you are towards yourself. It's stunning to wake up to that. It's like, wow. What a weird relationship I have with myself. Why do I talk to myself like that? Why do I behave like this? Why am I so committed to punishing myself? Why do I do that? Why do I undereat? Why do I overeat? Why do I underexercise? Overexercise. Not sleep. Too much sleep. Why do I berate myself? Why do I allow others to disrespect me? And all these questions that arise when you start paying attention to who you are and the relationship you have to yourself. It's stunning and deeply unpleasant if you spend any time attempting to get to know yourself. Self-defeating strategies predicated on self-tyranny and tyranny of others is destined to collapse, and that is absolutely true. And that is the posture you have. We all have in our own way. I don't know you, so therefore I don't like you because you're unsafe. And best I keep my distance from you because you're probably going to harm me. It's one of the beliefs we have. And so it's important that I am stronger, smarter, more equipped than you, just in case I have to use these tools to eliminate you, to knock you down a few pegs so you whimper away or something. And you know you've been around long enough and you've been in enough relationships where you've been tyrannical and how that has not worked out very well for you. And I imagine some of your relationships have fallen away. They've collapsed as a consequence of you being tyrannical in these relationships. I think that's probably a fair statement. And it's a lot to take on. And it's in part what gets missed in this pathway of becoming self-conscious. I rarely hear this conversation in the yoga world. It's all about being happy and feeling good. It's like, good luck with that. See what happens when shit hits the fan and you try and be happy through that. Good luck. And so this is the element of becoming self-conscious that has to be grappled with and integrated. And having the skill set to be able to do that. Because the tendency is, oh, I'm a good person. And let me prove to you that I'm a good person. And any self-conscious person knows that they're not a good person. 
That's what's so fascinating about becoming self-conscious. You immediately realize you're not a good person and what you're actually up against. And it's you and your malevolence. And then what do you do with that? Left unconstrained, it creates absolute chaos. And so an element of this practice is getting a hold of your malevolence. Admit that it exists. Grab a hold of it. See where it lives in your life and attempt to manage it. When I think about my own experience in this, I have a real good sense of my, le- my, my, le- my malevolent tendencies because I played them out for years. I was like a menacing animal for years. And I just didn't think about these particular strategies and the evil that lived within. I played them out. And that cost me dearly in so many different ways. It changed my life for sure. And left unconstrained, I don't think I'd be here right now. And so I have a good sense of these tendencies that I have. And the reward I got from being menacing in my life. And the reward was distance. That's what I was after. Distance from people. You don't come near me. You stay over there. You come too close and you'll pay. And so the reward was distance. The consequence, I was lost. I was attempting to create safety for myself, but every time I did something foolish, it created this experience of feeling unsafe because I had no social structure or a lack of. I was left to my own devices, which is not a good idea for any of us. I spent a long time attempting to constrain myself to get that side of myself under control and attempt to use it for good versus the evil in which I used it for. And it's been a hell of a ride. (laughs) It's not been easy. But it's also been rewarding in a very different way, in a way that I didn't even know existed. And now it's having the capacity to be with people, which is much more appealing than not being with people. And so I have these two sides of the equation now, what it's like not to be with people and to be a force of destruction and then the opposite of that, being with people and attempting to make things better. Self-defeating becoming before self-defeating versus self-conscious and using the information that becomes comes from being self-conscious towards the good, making you better, your relationships better, perhaps this world better. It's a huge responsibility and it is not bloody easy. And so the idea is to live your life in a way that you don't cause pointless pain. Ha! Try that for five minutes. (laughs) Towards yourself, towards others, towards whatever. To do so, you must constrain the irritated and resentful side of you. Oh my goodness. 
and what a side that is. The irritated side of you that consistently finds its way into conflict. The next thing to complain about. That's the side of you that pops out. Complains about, I don't know, Starbucks and traffic and your spouse and your clothes and you, the weather. That side of you that visits often. Say, like, hey, let's have a conversation. See if I can make your life worse. If you can constrain that side of you, it gives you access to live your life as a good person. And if you've ever tried that, you'll soon understand how difficult that is. And anybody self-conscious can admit to that. It is very difficult to be a good person in this world, extraordinarily difficult. Outside of all the pretense we play and the masks and cloaks that we wear, Attempting to prove that we're a good person. I'm nice. I'm likable. You should like me. <laughs> All these things that we play out. Instead of creating pain, you attempt to alleviate pain within your own life and support others doing the same. I'm not saying you don't do that. You do that, which is great. And if you could admit to that, you can understand this conversation that much more. How difficult that practice is to alleviate pain. Routine and building your social identity are key factors to place yourself within a social structure that supports you being sane and productive. <laughs> ah, ah. If the last two years is any indication of that, things have been pulled away from us over the last two years. Our social identity has taken a hit. Our social structure has collapsed in some ways. Some people have become unproductive, insane. You're not the same person as you were two years ago. You're not, none of us are. As a consequence of some of the tyranny we've experienced. We can argue that and debate that, whatever the hell that means. But things have occurred over the last two years that are unprecedented. And we've paid the consequences. For how long, who knows? You made it through. Different, but you made it through, and good for you for making it through. Some people didn't. Which is evidence that if we're not paying attention, things go south very quickly. And so if you can build your self-identity within a social structure around good people that want good things for you and you want the same for them, how important and critical that is to keeping ourselves sane and productive. Then leverage your industriousness to both heal and discover simultaneously. And that's the attempt. How do you heal yourself as well as discover new things at the same time? Ha! Ah. Because that side of you does not want any of that for you. Does not want you to heal and discover new things. It wants you to stay the same where it's got you, telling you what to do and keeps you in the box you know that you're in. Curious conversation, isn't it? Maybe you can see yourself in it. 
If you find yourself turning away from this conversation, you know what you're turning away from. It's a lot to take on. That's why it's so important to be in a relationship. So we don't have to take it on ourselves. So I have a question for you. Just to get a sense of where that irritated, resentful side of you lives. Where are you currently self-defeating? Where in your life? To what? Towards whom? Where does that live in your life? Where are you self-defeating currently? Just so you can pinpoint this side of you. Have a question? Ah, you have an answer to that question? You could easily say towards yourself. That's true. Anybody else want to throw something out and answer? You gonna leave me hanging? <laughs> okay, something to consider. I laid these conversations out in an effort to pinpoint what's at stake. You may not like to think about that, and that's fine. It's very easy to come to your mat and be mindless. I see that all the time. The mat is used actually as an escape from life. I just want to escape from my life. I'm going to use the next 60 minutes to escape. Which is not ideal. Because what's waiting for you is your life. Exactly as you left it. 60 minutes ago. And so the premise of this practice is to use it wisely and to confront things you need to confront, make things better, or at least attempt to do such a thing. And struggle with yourself and wrestle with yourself and encourage yourself, all the things you can do on your mat for yourself. And so the focus of this practice is on your lumbar spine. You may ask yourself, well, why is that? Strange focus, way down low, One answer is so you can have a spine. So you can stand up straight in this world. And we hold experiences in our body. And so on the lumbar spine, the left side pissed off itself. Ah, there's the tyrant. When that side of you comes out and where jealousy and envy live and reside, way down low, which can deconstruct structure. Right side, pissed off at life. Lots of reasons to be pissed off at life. That's for sure. Endless amounts of reasons to be pissed off at life. And where resentment and vengeance live. And if you're holding resentment, and you are, unconstrained, that will move into vengeance. Where you look to punish yourself and other people. And wouldn't it be something to rid that, these experiences out of your body? And so you can hold yourself differently. Engage differently, behave differently, create different kinds of experiences for yourself. And so this is a meaningful practice. That's how I see it. 
I hope you see it that way too. 60 minutes of being with yourself. I wish you the best. I look forward to meeting you on the other side 60 minutes from now.